Welcome to What Would You Say You Do Here? This is Season 2, Episode 6, and I am Katie Sally. And I'm Aaron Turlip. And uh, we have a special guest today uh, on this episode who's going to be talking to us about product marketing management, uh, or PMM. And we have Sherry Wu, who is a former coworker of mine from Samsara. Sherry, welcome. Thanks so much, Katie and Aaron. It's nice to be here. Well, wonderful having you. Yeah, maybe we could start off with uh, some, some introductions and tell us a little bit about how you got into this career. Um, I'll be honest, when I first started looking at product marketing, I didn't even know what that function was. Um, so the way that I got into product marketing was I actually thought that I wanted to be a product manager. Aaron, I'm not even sure if you knew this about me, but there was a point in my life where I thought I wanted to be a product manager. And so for me, I'm a person who really enjoys thinking about customers, thinking about building things to solve problems. And um, I was considering being a product manager at a clean technology firm. But I wasn't really quite sure enough about my hypothesis to want to be a product manager. And so instead of like jumping in and trying out a role in PM, I went to business school, <laughs> which is where you meet a lot of great people who can give you insight into what their companies are and like what their jobs are. And it was actually at business school that I discovered something about myself, which is not just that I like learning about customers. I like learning about products. I like learning about markets, but I also like being creative. I like crafting things. I like crafting stories. I appreciate really great design. And that's how I learned about the function of product marketing. So after business school, um, I've had a total of about five years doing product marketing in various capacities. But after business school, I did product marketing at Cisco, jumped shift to work at um, a very small IoT startup that only had 40 people when I joined. And then most recently, I've spent the past three years um, doing product marketing at Samsara, which is an enterprise IoT company. Very cool. Do you have any suggestions for how others who might be interested uh, in this field might get into it? Well, I mean, you could like follow my path and then, you know, try out, try out PM, then go to B school and then, you know, hop around a little bit. Um, I would say that the for product marketing managers, product marketing is a very, very multidisciplinary function. Um, and I've seen people come in from customer success, from other marketing functions, from product management even. Um, what you really need to have in order to succeed as a product marketing manager is just a curiosity about your customer, a willingness to learn. And I think then you can just kind of like break in from nearly anywhere you are. I've, um, I've seen people break in from business strategy, product strategy. Um, there is... I, I think if you name a title, I've seen somebody enter product marketing from it. Very cool. Yeah, I, I think something I love about product management in general is also the multidisciplinary aspect of it and getting to do a lot of different uh, tasks depending on you know the day of the week. So it sounds like we definitely have that in common. Yeah, I really do think you can find some some particular aspect of it to focus on you know, depending, no, no matter what your, your area of interest is, uh, product is, is very varied, especially when you start looking at all the different industries that you can do product in. 
So Sherry, are there any books or blogs or other resources out there that you would recommend to someone, uh, either experienced PMMs or someone who's uh, looking to, to build their PMM background? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm nowadays, I'm much more of a listener rather than a reader. But you know, back when I did read a little bit more, um, I really enjoyed uh, April Dunford's, um, I think it's called Obviously Awesome. It's a book all about positioning. As a product marketing manager, positioning is like one of the just the core skills that you need to have, you need to figure out who are you marketing to? um, Why is your Um, why is your product important to them? What kind of like context are you placing them in so that they can properly evaluate why your product is so obviously awesome? So that's one that I always love. I also, as a product marketing manager, think that it's not just about like the theory of positioning, but it's also just like learning from different people to figure out what they're doing in their product marketing roles. And so some of the podcasts that I've found incredibly helpful are ones where product marketing leaders almost like interview each other or interview other marketing leaders. So I would say that Dave Gerhardt has a great podcast called like the B2B Marketing Leaders Podcast. Um, I really enjoyed uh, ProfitWell, which is a startup that specializes in pricing intelligence, um, has started a podcast like where they'll, inter- where they'll interview um, various marketing and growth leaders. In terms of the communities that I really like, um, you know, as a product marketing manager, I want to not only learn from marketing leaders, but I want to exchange ideas and just like pick the brains of my colleagues who are outside of my companies. So there are two communities that I really love. Um, One is the Product Marketing Alliance, where you've got product marketers from all around the nation in one gigantic Slack channel, asking each other questions about go-to-market, pricing, new product introductions, sales enablement, and the like. And the other one that I really like is uh, Sharebird. Um, that is one where product marketing leaders do a bit more of an ask me anything type of just Q&A. And uh, it's really, oh, that's cool. yeah, it's really fun. Also, I think it's like unique because I don't always have time to like listen to an AMA. But what Sharebird does is like they actually just publish all the answers online and you can oh, nice. upvote things. You can um, kind of like register to follow along with a certain product marketing leader. When I do read, I read in short snippets. So Sharebird has been a very helpful way for me to digest information. Oh, interesting. I'll have to check those out. Thank you. Yeah, very cool. Thanks for those recommendations. So you had mentioned product positioning and and how key that is to, I guess, uh, a product marketing managers. Can you tell us a little bit about like, for those who aren't familiar, who haven't either worked with the PMM or uh, don't know what positioning is, uh, what are the basics of that and what, what should what should a PM or a PMM, PMM know about it? Yeah, well, when I think about like maybe how PMs and PMMs like interact with each other, um, at the core, we all care about our customers and our market. And it's really important for PMs and PMMs to be aligned on what, who are we trying to target what are what problem are we trying to solve for them? And it's I think of like the PM as the team that goes and builds that solution to solve the customer's problems and does it in a way that's different from everything else on the market. And my job as a product marketing manager is to 
turn what you build into positioning that the rest of the marketing team can use, the sales team can use, and they can repeat to our customers and convince them why our product is so unique and solves our customers' problems in a very unique way. So we just start out with like the same base of information and um, we are on the same page when it comes to like the core tenets of that positioning. But when once a product marketing manager comes in, I'll turn that positioning into something that's repeatable, understandable, is used to drive marketing campaigns and is used to inspire people to want to buy this product. Great. Yeah, I'm convinced. Yeah, I'll buy it. <laughs> let's let's do that. <laughs> the next question was kind of like, how do you define PMM? But I think that's a really good definition already. So yeah. Well, actually, Katie, I think like, you know, that's a pretty good definition. And I think like what I always find curious is, you know, how how does that actually play out in a company? Um, I kind of like told you a little bit about what a PMM does in terms of crafting positioning. But um, oftentimes, like when you think about how it plays out in a company, a PMM is there to work with a PM to solve like a go to market challenge. And so sometimes when a PMM comes in, the PM and the PMM like might not have a lot of clarity in terms of like what market we're trying to target. And so maybe like a first step for a PMM would be, I'm going to work with my PM to do some market research and buyer research and really um, bring some market insight and customer insight to help shape the product roadmap. Or if like the go-to-market challenge is that I've got a product and I just really need to make some adjustments or really need to... Um, ensure that I'm like meeting some goals around like market penetration, then it's really more about like go to market execution. And so you lean a little bit more on the positioning that like has been developed and you uh, try to figure out not, not just like how to bring in customer insights, but you really try to figure out how to enable other teams. So there's a lot of different ways that positioning can be used. Um, it just kind of like depends on what problem you're trying to solve as a business. Yeah, absolutely. So from the way you describe it, then it sounds like the product manager and the product marketing manager ought to be working very closely together. Yeah. It, and I think that's, that's been my experience at companies that I've worked at. So it's good to hear that that's, you know, a kind of a universal experience or at least hopefully a, a universal uh, aspiration anyway. I mean, I'll tell you, it certainly makes my life much easier when I can work very closely with uh, my product manager counterparts. Um, I as a product marketing manager, I never want to be in a position where the product has already been built. Um, we have already kind of decided like where we want to sell it. And I'm just kind of like brought in at the last minute to quote unquote, make things pretty. If there's anything that will drive a PMM up the wall, it's being asked to make things pretty. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. The job is way more in depth than just making it pretty. So making it pretty afterwards is kind of an insult, actually. Yeah. And just like any other person on the whole product team, right? From an engineer to someone in QA to customer success. I think the sooner you bring them in to that whole product development process uh, to help shape the product based on who your customers are, who your buyers are and you know how they want to use it and what job it's, it's going to fill for them, the better off you'll be. Well, speaking of that kind of thing, how, how can a product manager work better with you? How can they better support you? How can they better bring features to you? Um, you know, at, at what stage and, and when do you like to be involved? That kind of thing. 
I always like to be involved as early as possible. Um, well, uh, sorry, I take that back. I don't necessarily like need to be involved when it's you don't need to be in the whiteboarding <laughs> sessions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm happy to be there, but um, I think that it might not be the most productive use of my time Fair to be enough. there. Um, but I certainly like to be involved when maybe there's a prototype, like maybe when we've moved beyond like the whiteboarding session and we are we have an idea of like what we want to build. We have an idea of who this is like fit for, and we really want to test it in the market. Um, I love being involved in beta testing programs. Um, once we have like an initial just beta product out there, for me as a product marketing manager, there is no better way to understand what value we bring to customers than to put a prototype in a customer's in the customer's hands and see what they say about it. So I think that just being involved very early on is incredibly helpful. Something else that is very helpful is once I understand what problem we're trying to solve with the customer um, and how the product works, it's this, this might be like maybe one of the most boring parts of a PM's job. You guys tell me, but um, just having something written down that tells me how it works. Um, how does it work? Are there any limitations? Like maybe what tests have we run against it? That Knowing what the value is, is very important, but also knowing what problems it doesn't solve for our customers is incredibly important. And knowing what um, what things I should avoid when I'm doing my positioning is very important. Just like being able to set bounds on the performance of the product and the functionality of the product is very helpful. That's so well said, because I do feel like sometimes we end up selling products that we don't actually... Uh, have or make. <laughs> and, uh, and so being able to draw those boundaries early in the positioning process will probably help to eliminate that so that you don't even get the customers in that are asking for the things that, you know, we haven't actually built yet. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think it helps save everybody a ton of time oh, because yeah. we don't want to be in a position where sales is over promising, like the capabilities mm -hmm. of the product and they probably don't mean to, it could be just that the positioning statement wasn't clear. Oh yeah, it's not good for them either. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I, I don't think that they're doing it on purpose. They're just, uh, you know, they're just trying to do their jobs. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I th and I think that um, if you're like very clear about what problems you aren't solving, sometimes like choosing the segment of market that you're targeting is just incredibly important. So if we're very clear about what problems we aren't solving, we can sometimes eliminate certain segments of the market, which for me as a marketer, then I can identify to the rest of my marketing team, like, hey, we don't need to target these certain buyers, which means that we don't need to target certain channels, which means that we can be very crisp about our positioning, be very efficient with our campaigns. And ultimately that just lets us be, um, much more specific in our go-to-market. Yeah, you're not having to do these huge, broad statements because you know exactly who your customer is. That makes sense. Yeah, you bring up a good point about understanding like the limitations and the boundaries of your product. I'm curious to know from your perspective, whose responsibility do you see it being to define which features are needed? I, I know that's 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 definitely something we do as product managers, but is, I, what role, I guess, can a product marketing manager help in terms of identifying uh, capabilities that aren't being met in the market? Yeah, that is a, that's a fantastic question. So 
There are two ways that I see this kind of coming to fruition. One is what are the features that we need in order to target a certain market? Um, we talked about doing like market research and buyer research, like right at the very beginning. And um, something that product marketing managers can do is to help bring in that market research and like that voice of the customer to help inform what features are necessary. Something else that product marketing managers do is just engage in competitive intelligence. So part of the job description is not just understanding what we are building, but also what our competitors are building. So we can understand how our competitors are solving our customers' problems. Um, we'll use that voice of the customer and competitive intelligence to figure out like, hey, what are the features that basically all of our competitors are offering and are essentially just non-negotiable must have in order to bring to market? And what are some gaps that we think that our competitors aren't solving as well or some needs that are underserved? And I think that product marketing plays a great role in just bringing that voice of the customer and competitive intelligence to inform what features we need to bring to market. I think there's a second question around what features do we need to deliver like right now? You know, oftentimes there is this idea of just an MVP product and we need to figure out what is like good enough to get us to market and are there features that we need to deliver and if so, when? Because I think that sometimes we'll want to build a product and deliver all the features right away. And I think that what a product marketing manager can do is help identify features that are table stakes right now versus like nice to have in the future. And we can work with PM to potentially help prioritize the way that those some features are, de are delivered. Yeah, definitely having that competitive analysis and understanding where your competition is lacking uh, is something that obviously you would want to know as a PM, but oftentimes aren't able to keep up with, you know, as everyone is releasing, you know, new features daily, weekly, monthly. So that's definitely somewhere where I definitely lean heavily on my product marketing managers to help fill those knowledge gaps. And yeah, it's just invaluable as a, a product manager to know how you can get a competitive advantage with those sorts of capabilities. Yeah, probably something that you guys um, may not have time to do, but something that PMMs certainly think about is just uh, product managers are often interviewing customers and try to figure out like how they use our products. I'm spending all my time interviewing salespeople to figure out how are they pitching their product? What are they seeing in the market? And that's kind of like my source of intelligence that I bring back to our PM team. Are PMMs ever talking directly to customers? I know you just mentioned you, you kind of talk a lot with sales folks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In kind of like an ideal world, certainly. I've been in situations where PMMs were further removed from the customer, but the further removed the PMM is from the customer, the less specific and washed out our messaging is going to be. So yes, for me, when I'm looking for a successful PMM team, I'm looking for um, a PMM team that has a great pulse on the customer. And we can get that information in a couple of different ways, you know, so we'll rely a lot on our customer facing teams, such as support, customer success and sales to like maybe give us some color into what customers are asking about. But when it comes to just learning the language of our customers, learning what problems they're facing, learning their challenges, uh, there's nothing like interviewing customers directly. 
Yeah, that's something that we have said on this show repeatedly. And I think, you know, anyone that we've we've interviewed or talked to, they've repeated it as well. There is just no better source of information than sitting down working directly with a customer. But I but I think you make a good point that that you have to have that well-rounded information as well. You know, something that customers might tell you that, you know, what whatever their problem is might not actually be um, what they're willing to going to go back to jobs to be done here, Aaron. <laughs> what, what their problem that they're trying to solve may not be actually what they want to spend money solving. So um, talking to to sales as well, that's, that's, a, that's a really good idea. Something that I really like to do, you know, assuming the pandemic ends sometime soon, is, um, is actually kind of get to learn not just about our customers as like jobs to be done. I think that, you know, I think that's a, that's my favorite framework for just mm-hmm. understanding a customer. So it's like not just interviewing them about their pressures, their worries, their KPIs, but as a PMM, I find it incredibly valuable to see the environment that our customers operate oh, in. Yeah. You can learn so much just watching them. Uh, doing a customer, yeah. just watching them, just looking at their office, just looking at how many pieces of paper uh-huh. they have stuck on a clipboard or seeing what they've got in um in their office at some sorry i was just gonna say i think it's it's absolutely mind-blowing the difference between what what you can get out of a customer interview and what you can get out of watching a customer do their job there's sometimes very very different things yeah um but sorry you were gonna say uh, yeah exactly it's 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 you're exactly right katie it's like the difference between what i say i'm gonna do versus like what i actually do and for our customers at Samsara, they work in like very physical environments. Uh, they are not really in a tech office. And sometimes like they might say like, yes, I look at these like numbers and I try to figure out what's going on with the performance of my assets. Um, and when you interview them and you kind of like look in their environment, you figure out like, oh, they actually don't have that much time to be doing that. And it's incredibly difficult for them to be using data in the way that they say they want to use data, for example. Yeah, yeah kind of they give you sometimes an idealized version of, of how they'd like to be using it, mm-hmm. using your product. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, something I really appreciated about Samsara was the uh, investment in allowing uh, product managers, uh, PMMs, engineers to go and actually visit the customers in their office. Because uh, then we started to realize like how they operate, what other tools are they using to do the job, and like on one customer visit, I remember seeing uh, like a routing table that they had literally on like a board on the wall. And you realize like, we're not competing with whatever other like, you know, software competitors out there. We're competing with this like board on the wall right now. <laughs> with pieces of paper on it. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it kind of gives you a, a, a new understanding of like what your what features you really need to offer. And like, like, oh, it needs to be big, visible, like easy to update, you know, those sorts of features that aren't always that obvious. So yeah, I think customer visits would love to get back to doing them one day. So fingers crossed we can, we maybe, can do it this year. Maybe one yeah. day. <laughs> so we've talked about uh, getting market insights at Sherry. Um, like what, what other types of uh, insights would you be getting other than maybe like an understanding of like the competitive landscape? Are you talking about just like in general or like uh I guess just in general, yeah, yeah, just keeping it high level for for people who, like we said, who maybe are starting a career as a PMM or, or who just want to better understand uh, how to work with uh, a PMM and and you know what sort of information they could provide. 
or maybe they're coming from a smaller shop that hasn't branched out into hiring PMMs yet. Yeah, I've definitely worked in small companies where I was the PMM um, <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing. So there are a lot. So when we've when we've kind of like discussed in the past like 20 minutes or so, we've just like talked about insights that kind of shape the trajectory of a product or shape the trajectory of a story um, and really inform just strategy and how you how you how you go to market what is the story where are you telling the story who are you telling this story to as a pmm what i'm curious always curious about is after we have developed that product shipped that story um, i'm curious about what is the performance of that story is there anything else that we could be doing to make sure that the story is reaching more people um, I'm looking for insights to help me gauge, does that message resonate with my prospects and customers? And so the insight here isn't necessarily about like the market or like the customers that we certainly keep that top of mind, but this is where we turn to a lot of other members on the marketing team to help us get insight into things like uh, website performance, into the performance of different types of sales assets. If we're concerned about um Sales enablement, we might be looking to our sales operations team to understand different trends in discounting if we wanted to ever experiment with pricing, for example. We want to be able to understand whether or not our sales team is actually engaging with the content that we put out because we want to figure out, is there a more effective way to engage them and educate them about the product? So as a PMM, there are a lot of different signals that you're going to look for to figure out whether or not your message is performing well. So you're going to want to look into your other teams and like your other different systems to just figure out, am I reaching the right people? How well am I reaching them? And is there anything I can do to be adjusting my message or the way that I'm delivering this message? Well, we've talked a lot about how to do this um, maybe in the ideal way, how to do this better, uh, how you should be doing this. What are some mistakes that PMMs make or that uh, product managers make when working with PMMs? There are <laughs> there are so many and they never seem like a mistake when you're in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's like maybe talk about uh, maybe a mistake that like both PMs and PMMs make. I think that we're both working on products that we want to succeed. We want to see this product we want this product to see the light of day. We really want to bring it to market. And sometimes it can be all too easy to just say, go, go, go. I'm going to bring it to market and not set rigorous hurdle criteria to test whether or not something is truly ready to bring to market. Um, and some, this is something that I've learned in the course of my career, but we really need to be diligent about setting product readiness criteria as well as market readiness criteria. Um, and that's something that happens in just like the launch planning stage. It's something that we align on at the very beginning to say like, hey, if we don't pass this test, sorry, we can't bring this to market um, from a product readiness perspective as well as a market readiness perspective. I mean, in the past, I've worked on a launch where it was probably a eight or nine month development cycle. I know that our product and engineering teams were working really hard with one of our partners to be able to deliver this. And just by the time that we were ready, I kind of like looked at, looked around at the market and interviewed some of our sales folks. And I was like, guys, I don't think that it's the right time to be able to ship this product. Um, and that was just one of the hardest decisions that I had to make. And it was something that 
took a lot of convincing because we were all ready to just press the red button and say, we're going to launch this product. It, I think that I was, I, I suppose I was like lucky that I had set hurdle criteria at the very beginning to help me avoid this mistake. Present Sherry was thanking past Sherry for setting these hurdle criteria. <laughs> Yeah, that's a huge one. I think um, I think that's one of those that you you mostly learn by experience by releasing something at the wrong time or releasing the wrong product. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we get that that ugly baby syndrome where we're just so focused on the fact that this thing that we've created is so wonderful that we stop thinking about does the market actually want it? Is it the right time? As you said, that those kinds of questions are really important to to ask. And I like what you said about asking them in the beginning so that you don't, you know, lose sight of those questions at the end when you're so tired of working on this one thing and you just want to get it out. So I'm curious, Sherry, what what signaled to you that it wasn't the right time to launch that product? Well, in the, in like the course of planning a launch, we're going to usually set milestones for go or no go. And we were just coming up on this kind of like go or no go milestone. Um, and I, I had a, I suppose, a very strong intuition that I should really look back at like my hurdle criteria and evaluate them because the timelines for this particular product had just been pushed out a couple of times. And whenever something is delayed more than a couple of times, um, it could be a signal that we've had a little bit of trouble bringing it to market. Um, it certainly changed the time frame in which I thought I was going to launch the product. So I figured I would just go back to basics and just do all my checks before we looked at, um, before we actually pressed go and launch. Um, the kind of maybe final deciding factor of when, of whether or not it was right to launch this product was just bringing that sales insight in. And so I was just able to work with our sales ops team to get a little bit of intelligence into the length of our deal cycles and just ultimately decided that based on our particular sales cycle, it wouldn't have made sense to launch the product at that time. Got it. Yeah. Could you maybe tell us, you, you mentioned uh, how you define hurdle criteria up front. Can you give us uh, examples of like what good hurdle criteria uh, one could set at the outset of a kind of product development cycle, which they can then use to gauge, you know, whether or not, the product is ready or if the market is ready? Yeah. Um, I love the, when, when I'm working with um, my PM team on establishing those like hurdle criteria, what we ultimately want to make sure is, is it solving a specific number of use cases for our customers? Um, and is it performant? So is it when we think about like the use cases that are being solved for customers, uh, we want to make sure that we've tested all of those use cases. So we will make sure to um, test to kind of like say, hey, have we tested this with, um, let's say, 20 different buyers in this many number of industries and have had a satisfactory rating, like an NPS score from all of these beta testers? Uh, that might be one way that we test, does this fit certain use cases? Um, the way that we would test uh, performance criteria would I would actually rely on our PM team to say like hey does this meet like acceptable thresholds for speed reliability um, zippiness of a product is zippiness a technical term it ought to be <laughs> you know I, I think it's, it's like you know it when you you know it when you know it's it. <laughs> so true you know zippiness when you see it you may not be able to exactly define it but you know if something is zippy or not I like that uh, I do remember uh getting feedback um, that what a product I had launched was not snappy enough. Uh, snappy. Okay. <laughs> so. All right. 
See, snappy could mean several things to me. Zippy, zippy means one thing. So we've touched a little bit on, uh, you know, a lot of, well, we touched a lot, I guess, on the, the market analysis that uh, PMMs do. Let's talk a little bit more about like the go to market and uh, what a PMM is doing uh, as part of like go to market and how can a PM be helping along the way? Yeah. When we're thinking about going to market, I, I feel like I sound like a broken record at this point, but really the one of the biggest helps is just being able to get alignment on what market we are targeting. Um, and actually, I don't think we answered this uh, question earlier, Aaron, but um, you had asked me like maybe a, a mistake that people might make um, as a PM and PMM. And it's I had answered one was just like the timing of a launch and just learning to walk away and like say no. But two was not being very clear about who you are building for. And so when we think about go to market, you are identifying a potential group of buyers who are willing to pay some sum of money (laughs) for your product. And it can be a little bit confusing to figure out like maybe who your buyer actually is. There are so many different potential users of your product, but there are very, there could be very few buyers for your product. So part of the go-to-market exercise is defining the market and defining the buyer. I think the challenge that PMs often face is you have to build a product that is that addresses a particular buyer's problems, but also has to be usable by people on their team. And even though the users aren't like cutting the check, they're an important audience to build for and to market to. And so in that go-to-market, it's incredibly important to just like define who are we building this for? Who are the buyers and who are the users? And how are we prioritizing the different features that we deliver to make each of their lives easier? Um, So that's kind of something that's just incredibly important. Just being aligned on that go-to-market and who we're building for is one of the most valuable things that PM and PMM can work on. I think that's such a good distinction because I do think a lot of people either, either, misunderstand or or don't really understand the difference between the buyer and the user. And I'm glad that you said that the uh, acknowledge that the product manager does have to build for both because, you know, sometimes that that is a is different. And, you know, sales sales is always focused on the buyer. Um, But then you do have to provide a demo that's going to show how the users are going to use it. So there's there are a lot of ins and outs there. And I'm sure that that is very difficult as a product marketing manager to bring all of those pieces together. I mean, I would say that uh, you guys probably have a more difficult job of actually building that product. <laughs> I mean, I suppose the grass is always greener on the other side. No, you're right. I mean, it's something that we can't, it's something that just we can't yeah. overlook because when I'm thinking about selling a product to a potential buyer, I just, I had to think about how is it going to make my buyers, my the teams that my buyer employees, how is it going to make their lives easier? And if they can't envision that transformation, then we don't have a sale. Absolutely. Uh, when we when we think about just kind of like the other parts of going to market, so we've kind of aligned strategically on who we're targeting, what we're buying for. Um, an important role that the PM plays is just participating in the launch process, just kind of like uh, being that being that voice, being my partner, telling me, 
being a sounding board for someone like the messaging that I'm building, my PM is going to be one of the first people that I go to to figure out to kind of like test my messaging with because we would have started out with the same understanding of our buyer and our market. And I want to make sure that I am reflecting that product vision accurately. An incredibly important role is to kind of like help me test my messaging and help me figure out what can I say now versus what can I say today? Because sometimes I will probably want to equip our sales team and our customers with a vision of like where we're going. And you might say like, hey, that's generally right, but we can't actually like say that now. So I think that the PM plays a very important role in it's it's almost it almost goes back to like what we were discussing like way back at the very beginning, just knowing the limitations of the product. And that is something that will just continue evolving over time because the limitations of the product today aren't going to be the same limitations that we face in the future. So helping me understand what the vision is and what I can say today is just very helpful. Very well said. Thank you. So what's the number one thing I could do as a product manager to make your life as a product marketing manager easier? The challenges that a product marketing manager faces at every company are different. So I kind of like hate to give you a dodgy answer, but it's almost like whack-a-mole, Aaron. <laughs> <With you. laughs> Once I name something and then you solve it, I'm going to name another thing. Fair enough. Um, but maybe I will... Uh, tell you some commonalities in in uh, the, the challenges that I've seen at different companies. Um, one is just um, writing down how the product works. <laughs> and uh, it's a very kind of boring part, but a very important part because um, just writing down the product worth is our, is the product marketing manager's like source of truth. And if we don't have a good understanding of how something works, then it'll make it very difficult for us to pass that message along to anybody else. That seems like one of those things that's probably so obvious that it gets skipped because, you know, if you're if you if you're a product manager and you've been having all these meetings and you've written requirements, you know, you know how it works so well that maybe when you hand this off to the product marketing manager, you've just forgotten the fact that maybe you didn't include them as soon as you needed to, or maybe they weren't included on all conversations about how things work. So I think that's a really good one to point out, even if it seems obvious, because it it probably does get missed a lot. I think a really important step that Samsara had in the, like, the launch checklist was uh, making sure like there was like an internal launch announcement for every new product. And that was really important because you would look back at the original requirements and you realize, oh, well, we didn't quite build it this way, did we? So sometimes the requirements or even the engineering designs are not the most reliable source of what the product actually does and doesn't do. The requirements are, are more like guidelines. They could be fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. there could be. A, the requirements are like, this is what I intended to build. And the truth is just, this is how it actually turned out. And what I need to know is both. <laughs> uh, something that um, I, I'm kind of curious to see, like whether or not this is, something that PMs typically provide, but something that always makes my life easier is tools to demo a product. Um, and I think that there's probably a, just a challenge in terms of resources that a PM can spend in terms of how much do I spend on like creating a mock versus actually building a product. Um, and for a product marketing manager, it can be 
easier to work with mocks or easier to like work with a prototype, easier to work with synthetic data because we can manipulate it to tell a story that we want to tell. But I know that maybe it's difficult to create those resources if that means that you are facing a trade-off between building real product versus building like fake product that marketing can show other people. But if you could solve that problem. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely it. Yeah. I think in, in a perfect world, we could provide you with, you know, an absolutely flawless demo that allows you to show any type of story that you want and you can put any kind of data in it that you want. Um, and then we also have the actual product that users can use. But um, in the real world, and unfortunately, yeah, exactly. Resources. There's just not always the time to do that. I I think every company I've ever worked at has had that struggle. So I'm I'm sure that's a fairly universal one. Yeah. And it definitely depends on what your product is, right? Uh, how easy that is to demo. Well, this is all very good advice. Yeah, this is great. Uh, I definitely feel more prepared now to uh, engage uh, with, with my PMM counterparts uh, and, and know how to partner with them so that we can all be a bit more successful. Well, uh, Sherry and Aaron, what are y'all drinking tonight? Sherry, are you drinking anything yet? <laughs> um, no, I'm not, but I think I will will soon, hopefully. <laughs> okay. I've uh, some some of our family members gifted my partner and I just a subscription. There's like subscription boxes to everything nowadays, and I don't like mean to sound just like I'm just dropping different name brands on this podcast. But um, if Shaker and Spoon is listening, <laughs> um, we've really been enjoying <laughs> enjoying like their cocktail subscription boxes. So like maybe I'll make something out of those. Cocktail subscription. Oh, so- this just got interesting. <laughs> Seriously. I thought you were going to say like, because I knew that there were wine subscriptions and beer subscriptions, but a cocktail one. That is exciting. Yeah, it's um, it's for I suppose like the aspiring home mixologist. They can't actually ship liquor to you, but sure. they ship you a lot of different um, just accoutrement that you might not normally yeah. get, and um, help you experiment with something with recipes that are more than yeah. just like your basic classic cocktails. That's awesome. So might have one of those. Fancy. Cool. What are you guys drinking? Uh, well, tonight, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, which is coming up tomorrow, uh, I've got a Guinness Extra Stout, um, and it will pair nicely with the brownies that uh, my wife is making for my kids' St. Patrick's Day party tomorrow. Nice. That sounds good. Well, Sherry, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. You have answered so many questions about product marketing managers that I did not even know I had. Yeah, Sherry, thank you so much. It's so great to talk to you today and to see you again uh and yeah like like katie said we are really excited to go and uh put some of this uh, pmm domain knowledge to use now thanks katie and aaron i think uh i enjoyed being on this podcast thank you so much for having me i always it's so helpful to just talk to you and just even just understand the questions that pms might have and so it's been a really refreshing break in my pmm day Wonderful. Well, hopefully you end that day with a cocktail and uh, and get some rest because I know you said you'd had a long day. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in to this episode and we'll see you next time, product land. Bonjour. No, wait, is that hello? <laughs> it's hello. You're already done. That's the shortest <laughs> goodbye episode. <laughs> uh, is it au revoir? Au revoir, yes. There you go. That's why I usually just say adios. I was trying to show off. Well, I can say Tian. It's Mandarin. Nice. Very Thank cool. you. That's the best one yet. <laughs> yeah. 
we like that. 